Good evening, everybody, and welcome to The Stunt Show here on the all-new Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Daniel Gordon, son, husband, and one quarter of the amazing Stunt Show team here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And you can find The Stunt Show here every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Since we've been apart for over a month, here's Daniel Gordon in a nutshell. I'm 25 years old, married to my amazing wife, Aviva, a speech therapist originally from New Rochelle, New York, for close to two and a half years, one of five children, including an identical twin. You'll hear more about that later. From the Upper East Side of Manhattan and now live in the closest thing to suburbia I could handle, Riverdale. For a living, I am the manager of presidential communications and public affairs at Yeshiva University. But for a life, I try to make the world a better place and impact the Jewish community in positive ways each and every day. It's part of this amazing team. One quarter of the time you can find me as I hope to bring you a small taste of the amazing life God has blessed me with, the inspiration I draw from the always entertaining world of sports, and of course, country music. Coming to you from the Nachum Siegel Studios and what my parents tell me is the historic Lower East Side, and I am joined by my new friend from just moments ago, Avrami. How are you, Avrami? Thank God, doing well. How are you? How's the trip down from Baltimore? Uh, it was pretty good. I came in by car this week instead of bus, and it worked out very well. No traffic? Not at that hour. We No, it was about 11 o'clock last night, or two nights ago. So. Wow, sounds awesome. Yeah, it was good. I was driving back my upstairs neighbor's parents who had come in for Yom Tov. And they had to be back, so I said instead of taking the bus, I'd drive them if they give me one of their cars. So I drove it, and I'm going to be driving them back. Who paid for the gas? They did. <laughs> nice arrangement. This is a win-win. I should do what you do more often. Teach me your ways. Uh, so anyway, uh, if during the show or after the show you realize that you'd like more Daniel Gordon, please email me at daniel at Seriously, your honest feedback and comments about the show are welcomed and appreciated, and I hope this show will gain ins- inspiration and content from you, the listeners. Each month, I hope to cover material from the inspirational world of sports, my one-of-a-kind life and perspective, and the deep genre of country music. Last month, we discussed the Coleman Race for the Cure and my inspirational birthday party with Miriam L. Wallach and my twin brother Aaron. I'd like to thank all of those who made our party and our team such a great success. Our team raised $4,369 in just over two weeks. So from the bottom of my heart and all those that you helped, thank you very much. You are listening to The Stunt Show live from what my parents tell me again is the historic Lower East Side. I guess we'll find out from my guest if it's really historic um, about the Lower East Side. Uh, and, and I'm Daniel Gordon. Uh, and you can find us here 6 to 7 p.m. every Thursday night. Um, and it's time to welcome my guest for today, Mrs. Stacy Siegel. Mrs. Stacy Siegel uh, has been teaching for over 20 years. And I was actually in her first day school class. Good luck. We'll, we'll hear a lot about that. She's taught pre-K nursery, toddlers mm-hmm. and kindergarten. And she's also a reading specialist. She's taught at Ramaz, Manhattan Day School, and currently teaches at PS15. She is also the mom of six children, including 20-year-old Benjamin, 14-year-old triplets Chava, Yosef, and Yoshua. She went up my mom on that one. 13-year-old Yonina and 6-year-old Gabriel. In addition, she runs a jewelry business called All the Glitters, is on the board and runs the Beaker Cholom of the East Side, and is married to the world-famous and internationally renowned Nachum Siegel. All this is impressive but nothing on her resume is as impressive as surviving the terror that was the Gordon twins in her first class at Ramaz. Welcome and thank you for joining me, Stacey. Thank you very much for having me. I think I'll call you more, Stacey. It makes me feel more at home. So, like I said, I was in your first day school class. Do you remember back then? I do remember. (laughs) It's not something you've blocked out of your No, not at all. So what can you say has changed in your perspective as a teacher in the last, I'll tell everybody it's been 20 years. Yeah, it's about 20 years. Um, It certainly was a lot easier back then. 
even with all the experience, it gets more difficult to be a teacher every single year that you do it. Because? Um, because I think children come with um, a little bit more baggage and a few more issues and a little bit too worldly for themselves when they enter even preschool. So it certainly has become a challenge. So basically when the Gordon twins entered your classroom, they had nothing but causing trouble. Now we would have causing trouble with an iPhone. Yeah, I can't imagine you in the classroom right now. That would be a little a little well, difficult. Good, good luck to my graduate school professors. <laughs> Maybe my brother will substitute for me sometimes. Um, so it is the holiday season, and you and I actually share something in common. We live in the city, or I used to live in the city. And that's always an interesting experience. Do you guys have a sukkah? We have a sukkah right outside our building, a community sukkah. So, so my parents also have a community sukkah, and is that something that like a lot of people in the community take advantage of, or it's like there are there is a sukkah outside like every group of buildings. So if you stay home, that is the only place to eat. Because on the Upper East Side, I don't want my father to get angry at me because I, I know that he's going to listen, um, or that he is listening, I should say. Uh, so my parents have a sukkah, and it's in the courtyard of the building. It used to be on the roof until it flew off the roof one day. And Baruch Hashem, it did not hit anybody. But when the dorm, when the porter from the other building saw the sukkah, I was looking over at this guy, and he thought like a UFO had fallen. So he was like looking up to Shemayim, like, what did God send? But anyway, so my parents have sukkah, and they fed over, I'll be conservative here, 130 people over the six meals because wow. we're the only ones in the neighborhood. Yeah. So no community sukkah in your building? No, not in our building. It's officially a community sukkah, although my parents, you know, host all okay. of the meals. But in our neighborhood, very few. Uh, and the shul has, KJ has like five or right. six sukkahs, but my mom decides that everybody should get an opportunity to eat in our little hut. Uh, so she hosts everybody. Okay, we're coming over next year. <laughs> if you if you will do the walk, I will be, first of all, I will be there. I will okay. make sure to be there. Even if my wife says no, I will be there. <laughs> okay, but we're second, coming. But secondly, I, it, I think it's a very interesting experience, sukkahs in the city versus suburbia. Now that I'm married, I spend more years there, you know, a, a lot of years there. It's very interesting. I certainly agree. I'm still trying to convince my husband that it's a nice, interesting experience to be, to eat in the community sukkah, but he's slowly getting used to it. It's a little different, but I think growing up in the city in general, and, and you've raised children in the city. I just grew up there. I, you know, people always ask me if I would raise my children in the city. My answer is, usually, is no, um, just because I think that there is a little to be said for suburbia, but at the same time, there's so much to be said for the city. You actually, you grow up, you learn community, you learn responsibility a lot easier. Right, and you learn, you're independent a lot earlier in life. If you want to go somewhere, you hop on a bus or a train or a car service and you're there. For your We're kids, not always carpooling. For your kids, that may have been for the better for me. Yes. It probably was for the worst. <laughs> um, but, and then everyone always, of course, asked me, like, was Central Park your backyard? Yeah, like me and everybody else. I mean, you're from Lowy. Right, That's yeah, no, we have a backyard. You got, you a very a... large backyard. It's called the park. Oh. Bring back the Lower East Side. Incentive for the Lower East Side. They have a backyard, something that the Gordons did not. Yes. Um, so did you did you guys ever consider leaving the city? We considered it about 15 years ago. We did the, I don't know if this should be public, but now it is. We did the um, search for the house in Teaneck for a while, and that stopped. And then we had many children, and our next move is straight to Israel when we get there. Emir Tashem. That should be soon. We yes. should all be there. That's what I always, I always say. People ask me, where would I live? I say, New York, somewhere in the surrounding areas. I would love to live in Teaneck. I actually want to live in Teaneck. Uh, and, and if not L.A., or okay. Israel. I, I, I could do the hot weather. Hot weather rocks. Yes. So, you know, you, you go there, there's no such thing as a shovel. Just saying. That's true. And the snow and the traffic. So, um, Israel's looking good. And as the uh, matriarch of an eight-person family, what's the holiday season like for you? 
Um, <laughs> a lot of cooking. <laughs> a lot of cooking, a lot of serving, although we were not home for every every part of Yanza this year. So um, it was certainly a little easier. We happened to be in Kutcher's for the first days. And we were by Miriam El Wallach for Shabbat, and we were just here for the last days, which was really, really nice to be. We weren't in the sukkah, but we were home for the so last days. So I'm sure Miriam will be listening wherever she is right now. What was the Wallachs like for Shabbat? I'm sure Miriam has a big following on this network. People, I'm sure, would love to hear what Shabbat is like at the Wallach House. Well, I must tell you, they wonderful, wonderful hostess and hostess, hostesses, but um, between my five children and her six, it was a very, very lively Shabbos. A, I only had five with me, so um, in a few years, you won't kids, even have to leave to go to shul. In a <laughs> yes. few years, you won't even have to leave to go to shul. You can just have a minion in the house. They did have a minion in the house. Wow. Wow. Look at the Wallachs. You know, the Wallachs, they're the, they're, they're the minion host type of people. It, it was wonderful. That's amazing. That's a reason to live in suburbia, by the way. Yeah. The house minion thing, I'm very into that. We do that in the city, too. Really? Well, you have a lot. See, the thing about the Upper East Side that I hate is the lack of sense of community. People live on the Upper East Side so they can go to the food emporium and not see their neighbors, even though everyone goes there. So I guess the Lower East Side is different. The Lower East Side is very different. It is a certain, there is a sense of community. Everybody gets along. Very nice people. Yeah, pretty much everyone gets along. <laughs> No, it's really a very unique community. A unique community, I should say. Wow. And, and what made you guys choose to live here? I grew up here. Really? I've been living here for a very, very long time. I moved two blocks in my whole life. That's across a- the street in second grade and then across the street when I got married. That's so. amazing. So you've seen the Lower East Side in all its different manifestations. Well, have, yeah. Well, I haven't been there that long all the well, way to the beginning, but yes, <laughs> for a very long time. I think, I think my mother-in-law actually grew up on the Lower East Side, I believe. Oh, okay. And all I hear is the Lower East Side. Side, yeah. East Side. So... It sounds good. Um, so, like we said before, you have six children. So, I don't want to give your three of the children who aren't from the multiple not their due time. We'll get to them. But raising triplets had to be wild. Oh, it certainly was. <laughs> what, what was your reaction when you found out you're having triplets? Um, a bit nervous. Um, I was actually alone, and I called Nahum in the radio station to let him know over the phone, which was <laughs> very exciting. On the air, uh, no, it wasn't on the air. He was off the air. <laughs> wasn't wasn't very public until it happens. But um, they certainly are an exciting bunch. Um, they, you know, they had a, a difficult beginning, but you know, Baruch Hashem, now they're doing beautifully, and they're great, and they're fourteen, and they're wild, and they're great. And then we had one twenty months later, so it was sort of. Um, quads in our house for a long time. So you went from one to four. Exactly. So one of the things that a lot of, like, friends of mine are having children, some of them have twins, right? So my mother, every time I chime in with my mother and I ask her, what do you think? Is it easier to go from zero to two, or I guess in your case it could be zero to three, or one to four, or one to three? What's your take? So it's so funny. My daughter, Chava, who's one of the triplets, said to me, Mom, I don't really think I want to have triplets, but maybe twins. And I certainly not don't. I certainly hope it's not the first two because I would never know what to do. She said, you must have been such a pro because we weren't your first. So she thinks it was easier. I think it was um, just a blur back then. <laughs> I don't remember much of it except, you know, just getting by each day. It was quite crazy in our house. I mean, my mother always talks, I guess it's much harder with three, but my mother always talks about just making making two into one as much as possible. So that means getting them on the same sleeping schedule. So if you wake one up to feed, don't drive yourself crazy and get up an hour later, wake them up. I'm sure like with three, that's actually almost physically impossible. It was almost impossible. And they were always up. Nobody ever slept anyway. 
they were always eating and screaming. There was no schedule in my house for a very long time. It's it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's one of my one of my dreams to have multiples. My wife, I think, you know, in my house, my mother was very excited when she found that she was having right. twins. My parents were, um, you know, this in terms of family planning, this was going to be towards the you know the end of their. Um, you know, having children stage. And so for my mother, it was an opportunity to have two for the price of one. Um, my father panicked. And by the way, <laughs> hindsight being twenty twenty, my mom probably should have panicked too. Um, but it, it's just one of those things where I think that a lo- I'm not a parent yet, but I think a lot of people tell me parenting is a lot about life experience. And if there's any life experience, if there's anything unique about my life experience, one of those is that I'm an identical twin and all the competition um, that comes with that and all the challenges that come with being a twin so and why not have twins and be able to share that? Um, that Right, so I'm going to interview you. You think you're going to be a better parent to twins because you are a twin? I don't know better for sure. I think that, listen, my brother and I, you know firsthand, but competition was certainly the centerpiece of a lot. Both, you know, Latov and Lara, my mom always says the only thing that ever got us to study for finals was we had to do better than the other That's one, funny. which is actually good. <laughs> but then the fact that we would punch each other as we studied to get the other one to stop studying was uh, was not. But so there's just that kind of experience, and especially being identical. Um, it was very hard for us to find our own identities. You know, the more we were always known as one of the Gordon twins. And right. the, the, the biggest challenge we actually found the summer after we were in ninth grade, we went to camp separately for the first time. And it was very hard for us to find friends. Even though I knew people going in, he did. We always had that crutch, and we always had that identity. People used to come up to us on the street. I never went up to anybody in the street. People came up to me from the time I was in a stroller. Are those twins oh so cute? Are you guys identical? Yes. So I never needed a conversation starter. All of a sudden, I'm I'm by myself, and I'm like, oh, this is what real this is what, like, right? <laughs> real life is. <laughs> this is what real life is. But certainly for the triplets, although you know, triplets is a little different. Are, are you you do you have are they identical? The boys are not identical. There's two a girl and two boys, but. Nobody knows the difference now that they know them a little better. But, you know, my closest friends will say, oh, which one is that? You'll say, you're sure. And I'm like, one is tall, one is short. One, You know, there's nothing alike about the two of them. But it's, they, they just cannot tell Their them favorite apart. teacher, Dr. Wilner, told me the same thing. Dr. You can't Wil- tell them apart. Well, the tr- <laughs> Even though they're in two separate classes and two separate seats, they cannot the, tell the, them the apart. The truth is, it's all about context. Like, I... When I was growing up, people used to say to me, like, oh, you guys look the same. If you know that if, if you don't know we're twins, we may as well be the same person, even though one of us could have a beard and one of us cannot. Like you see me on the street, you'll say, Oh, that must be Daniel and not Aaron. So my father in law actually said to me, he said, Are the seagulls brothers? Like, do I have I said, Yeah, you have two of three, they're triplets. He said, I didn't know, but now that you say it, it like comes to mind. That, right. Did they ever switch classes growing up? They did it in school, in Manhattan's A school. They switched kipot, they switched yarmulkes, and, you know, confused the teachers. And did they get in trouble for that? No, I think they laugh. I think the teachers thought it was funny. I should have gone to MBS. Yeah. Uh, well, you got in a lot of trouble? We didn't get, we, we, we actually, we only once got in real, real trouble. We, my mom always tells one story that we were growing up, I don't remember, it was in kindergarten, so when we were in our terror stage. Okay. And the kindergarten rooms were across the hall from each other, and we were given a little bit more free reign to roam between the classes because we had each other. So there was one time that actually, by pure chance, he came into my room and I went out the other door and went to the other room. And then it came snack time. So instead of like reacting, we looked around the room. My brother wasn't there. We sat down for snack time. <laughs> so we had snack time in the other classroom. When the teachers found out, they were like a little upset. But when we were in Camp Marshall, we were in we were playing leagues and it was halftime and I went back to the bunk to, to go to the bathroom or something. My brother was sitting on his bed and he said, wouldn't it be funny if we switched? Like, that would be hilarious. Take off your shorts and put on different shorts and we'll change. We had the same shoes anyway. So he goes out there, my brother's a lefty and I'm a righty. So he threw the ball 
strong left hand, and somebody says to him, isn't that Aaron? And Rabbi Eli Storch, who is amazing and who I owe a lot to, it's just because he didn't think it was fair, although I always said it was fair because I was better than Aaron at basketball, obviously. <laughs> um, so I said it was fair because the worst one was out there. So he suspended us for a game just to prove a point. Oh, to us. that's okay. I'm sorry, Rabbi Storch. No, okay. no, no. Listen, <laughs> listen. the truth is that that knowing me, who I was, we were we deserve to be punished very often. Were you scared when you had, do you remember if you were scared when you found out you had twins in your class? First one? Um, I wasn't nervous, but, um, until I met you, <laughs> both of you, um, you were a little scary. And again, I was a young teacher going into Ramaz who, you know, you shall forgive me, but the first learning. So you were certainly a handful. Um, and Mrs. Gordon, I hope you're not listening where I hope you are, but I remember, you know, you both were a handful. Like it wasn't like one of you was very quiet and one of you were, you both were a handful and we couldn't figure out who was a handful most of the time. And I remember, you know, the night before conferences sitting down with my assistants and I'm like, okay, we got to make a, uh, uh, Aaron pile and a, a Gordon list. I'm sorry, an Aaron pile and a Daniel pile, a list and, and decide, you know, what each one did because we didn't know the difference. I mean, and I'm like, we have to get very specific so we can tell the parents. So you were certainly both a handful all in one, and, and you were. Yeah. And Maura Stacy's being very nice on the air because because it, because <laughs> it, it is my you know only second time on the radio. But I will tell you that parent-teacher conferences were always the worst day of the year for Aaron and I because what would happen was my parents <laughs> would go to parent-teacher conferences, they would come home, and my father would print out all of the nice quotes. We have an older brother, Benjamin, who's twenty-seven, and so he was two years ahead of us. So they would always go to parent-teacher conferences, and when they came home from Ben's parent-teacher conferences, there would be quotes. Of all the nice things his teacher said, so it was like a it was like a shrine to bed in our house. And then we would look around and we'd see there was not one quote about us. So then my mother would always say the same thing at breakfast: "When you come home, I highly recommend that you do your homework right away, and then we're going to have a talk with you know, we're all going the four of us are going to sit down and have a talk." So those parent-teacher conferences were probably not very easy for you, Morris Stacey. No, I but I did t- try. I'm sure if they look in the archives, they will find some lovely comments from Morris Stacey for both you and your brother. They always tried to find <laughs> I, I think my brother and I just always, I think it I think it had to actually do with being identical twins. People, and I think as we got older, we just realized it. And sometimes I would even catch myself in that manifestation that we would fight at home or we would fight in school. And it would always be because we needed to one-up each other because we needed to be there because we were fighting for our own identity. And then at a certain point, we just embraced the fact that this is who we are. This is what we're about. We're still individuals. We got married. We didn't marry twins. Like We, we found our own identities. But ultimately, the, the thing that can't be taken away from us and the thing that you know makes us, one of the things that makes us unique is that we're identical twins. When we were in kindergarten, we read a poem that said, like, everyone has their own DNA. Everyone's unique, biologically, except for identical twins. So we were just that exception. No, you did have some differences. I don't remember exactly what they were, but I was the better. No. I was the better. Of twin, course, obviously. If Aaron was hosting the show, he would be the better. <laughs> Aaron, twin. you were good too. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he's still <laughs> listening. Hopefully he's still um, listening. So, so raising and and have you? Well, what's it like with your other three children vis-a-vis the twins? Well, I think when people come over to us, you know, just on the street, everyone's like, which are the triplets? So our immediate reaction is these are the triplets and these are our wonderful three singles. You know, everyone, uh, you know, gets very overly excited about triplets, which is, you know, a normal human reaction. Um, I think that, you know, (laughs) would you change anything? I think the triplets love being triplets most of the time. 
Um, you know, except when they're, as you and your brother, except when they're literally killing each other. And then five minutes later, they're best friends. So, you know, I'm glad we make it through those physical fights. And then, you know, a few minutes later, they're, they're wonderful to each other. There was a stage when my parents actually stopped disciplining us. Because when we would, they, they knew that if somebody actually got hurt, we would stop. Like, our intention was never to hurt the other one. It was just to beat each other up and whatever, have fun for 25 minutes until we wore out. And we were so similar in size that the fights could just go on and on with like no end in sight and then people would love people like egg us on to fight because they thought it was entertaining much to my parents yeah. demise i think it's the easiest thing to just ignore it because otherwise you're just telling them to stop all day long and <laughs> it's much easier to ignore it and no they're really you know they're they're sort of having fun in the process and uh your husband's fame is in the morning or i should say his his most popular time is the morning and that's when he works you know, correct the, so what were mornings like for you I never knew anything but being alone for, you know, 20 years of, you know, getting everybody ready for school. And he used to do a show every night of putting everyone to bed. I did have help, but I I sort of, um, you know, I sort of just did it. It was fine. We got through it. And, you know, thank God he was able to do what he needed to do. Because I, I mean, I certainly get that appreciation when I, you know, I, I work for President Joel and I see that there is no way he says it, but people could say he's just saying it. I see there's no way that anybody has these kind of careers with either the crazy hours or the demand, you know, raising, he also has six children, raising that kind of, you know, without, without the wife behind that. So is that, did you guys listen to the show? Um, the oh, morning? at home, no. We didn't listen to anything but screaming and crying for many years. No extra noise in my house. No offense, uh, Nahum, no it was offense, not you. No offense, but there was no turning on the radio. Um... You know, it was just sort of what I had to do, and it was wonderful, and it was good, and, you know, we managed somehow every morning to put, you know, I managed somehow to put six of them on the bus at 710 and get out to work, and we've made it till now. I think when the reality is the reality, that's just what it becomes. That's just what you have to do. People always say to me, what's it like being a twin? So I say to them, what's it like Like not? I I don't know anything other than that, so I guess what's it like getting six kids on the bus? You just do it. <laughs> you just get it done. The truth is they're great kids and they're really, you know, we, we raise them to be independent and so they are and they're able to do a lot for themselves and so they're helpful. So we touched on this a little before, but speaking of that independence, is that have to do, do you think that the city helped in that, raised them here, helped in that independence at all or is it just a... I think it's Which both. I think the city in certain ways where going places they have to, you know, they learn to, you know, go places on their own, whether it's, you know, we can't pick up one day from, you know, the west side where they go to school. They hop in a cab or they call us and in, in Teaneck you can't do that and Long Island you can't do that and they're on their way home. Um, you know, we have one that takes his bicycle and, you know, lets us know where he is, but he rides around the city. He likes to, you know, explore and go. Um, the other part is, you know, Myself as well as my husband, we just treat them, you know, we we expect independence and we allow them to, you know, be their own person and to explore and to do things on their own. And they're very helpful and they're asked to help and they're asked to go places and take care of things in a good way. And, you know, things that they want to do as well as things that they don't want to do. So they become independent very quickly. I think it's it's one of I, I went to after high school, but I was raised in the city. So I saw both sides and it's I think it's just a function of the culture but so I people always ask me about the city I say until I was 10 it was a little difficult because we didn't have a backyard so it's like a little less independence but once you get to that 10 11 12 and you you learn and you earn your parents trust the world is your playground and 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 obviously when you're younger you can't get into that much trouble but the world is your playground and it becomes like this gift 
that and and then as you get older everyone wants to come and you're my parents' house became a hotel. It's so funny because now that the kids go, the triplets, and well, obviously, Binyamin has been, you know, out of New, out of New York City, you know, going to school for the longest time. Every all their friends want to come to the city, like it's so exciting, you know, they want to meet in the city. You know? And he's like, I just want to go to <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I just want to go to Teaneck to all those restaurants you know? <laughs> and to a mall. They they can't wait to go to malls, you know, because we don't have malls in the city. So it's funny. That, I never you know, got the mall culture. I don't like the mall culture, but my daughter thinks it's fascinating to go to malls and see that. There's so. nothing I hate more than shopping. My wife knows, find me a bench. I'll sit there. I have my iPhone. Bring me all the bags as they come. If you find something that you think I'll like, that's cool too. But you know what? I'll just find my bench and play on my iPhone. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Well, then I, I I'm am, fine with it. I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud <laughs> yes. to be to be in the same uh, in the same company. So you've been teaching now for 20 years, and uh, you've taught in, in Jewish day school, and now you teach in public school. Um, and I, I'm certainly exposed more to the Jewish education. Would you say that there is a big difference between at, at the age that you teach, other than the curriculum itself, but between the general experience of teaching in a public school? Um, oh, there's a lot. First of all, there's a. I did start in public school many, many years ago, and then I went to yeshiva, back to public school, yeshiva, and then now back to public school. So I've seen, you know, both sides for many, many years. Um, I think just in general, in New York City um, and in New York State, they're trying to bring the standards up for education much higher. So in public school is where they really watch you. And even as young as kindergarten, which I do teach now, the kindergartens are sitting at a desk all day. Um, you know, they're, we, we allow them free choice time for 15, 20 minutes at the end of the day if we can cut it, if we finished all our lessons, um, which is something, you know, that yeshiva does not do as much. They allow them to explore and to learn on their own. So, um, you know, that's a big difference. Um you know, the, the clientele that I teach is certainly a, a big difference. Um, also, what's I, I haven't been in yeshiva for five years now, but now you are um, required to document every single thing you do with your students, you know, where they started, what their growth is, how you can make them grow further. So everything is assessments and looking up, you know, doing inquiry groups to see how you can raise their scores higher and raise their scores higher. So it's sort of a nice thing to see and to be part of, you know, to be part of um, this generation of education where, you know, we're trying all these, well, many new things to bring up the students' scores. Is there no more nap time? We try for like 15 minutes, but if that happens, then it's time to do the math lesson. I so dream about nap up, time. Which is very hard, especially some students that I teach need the nap time. But, you know, we got to get up for the next lesson. I dream about nap time. I always say two things to children. Again, I don't have children of my own, so it's hard. It's like easier to say it to somebody else. But I always say you should want to stay in the stroller longer. Because, like, what could be better than, like, you're waiting on a long line at Disney World or you're going on a long walk and it's freezing cold outside and you're all bundled up and... Don't complain about that nap time in kindergarten because you, even as early as first grade, but certainly- You want it. <laughs> you want it back. <laughs> you're going to pray that they bring it. Um, so that's very interesting because one of the things that we talk about a lot in Jewish education is the experiential part of it, that, that, that Jewish education is a lot more than just math and science and even Chumash and Tanakh and the stories, but rather that our lives are an experience. So it's eating in the sukkah with, with your family. or with And so that has to be interesting because- like you said, there was much more moving to the classroom in the public school system. So is that easier or harder as a teacher? You know, it's harder as a teacher because I'm, I'm sort of not teaching my culture. 
So, you know, there's certain things that, you know, I've done for so many years teaching in, you know, a day school that I just, you know, you don't do in public school. Like every time we have snack and just not making a, a blessing or a bracha before, like, is so, you know, hard for me to stop. So we have this thing as bon appetit, let's eat. The kids all know that unless we say that they can't eat. So, you know, I do little things that, you know, um, you know, connect to me, but it's, um, it's very different because that was, you know, teaching in yeshiva was part of my culture, you know, and you shared everything. You you shared your, you know, Sukkot experiences with the kids and what, you know, Maura Stacy did and why she did it, you know, whether the children or not did it in their house or not. You know, here um, in public school, you know, certainly the, the children that I teach, you know, none of them know what a Jewish person is. So, you know, they're sort of a little... Um, well, they're flabbergasted that I've been absent for so many days in a row. And they finally said to my co-teacher, does she have any more holidays? Like, is she coming back? So today they had asked me, like, where have you been all this time? But at least they like at- you. They That's do like sign. me, yeah. Kids are growing, they still like their teacher, yeah. <laughs> you know, I always teach young ones, so they should always still like me. I've never gone past kindergarten, except for reading. I'm sure all your, te- I'm sure all your students... Um- would have liked you the question. So, Thank you for the vote of confidence. <laughs> I, I'm you. speaking from experience, and I can and, and I can speak for my brother on this one. The, so it's very interesting because now with a lot of the tuition issues and some of those and some of those challenges, so people are talking about what would it be like to send, you know, Jew, our Jewish children to public school or to charter school, which may have more benefits. And I guess you you have the experience to say whether or not, as a parent, I forget about as a teacher, but having seen that as a parent, if you think that that would have been beneficial. Um, or not, because day school tuition, they, I was I was at a Yontif meal with all people. The the only one person had a had a had a child. There were sixteen of us sitting on there, and, the, and sociologically speaking, we my generation is the first American Jewish generation that that will across the board the majority will earn less money than their parents, and yet the tuition will be more than their parents. So the question is, what do you do? So they can say online all you want, you can say the public schools and all that, but the question is, is it is it worth it to save all that money? Right. Honestly, no. The answer is no. You know, you joke about it sometimes and you say, okay, let's put the kids in public school. Come on, we'll teach them some Gemara afterwards. They really need to be with friends like them. They need to have a Jewish teacher that understands them. They need to be learning, you know, all the holidays and and all the Judaic studies. It, it doesn't, you know, I understand where parents come from. Um, you know, because of the tuition, because of the costs that are, you know, overwhelming. And I, I know they're overwhelming. But, you know, with all joking aside where we say certain days, okay, let's just, you know, put them in there. This is crazy, you know. What will we do with all that money? They really need a day school. There is nothing like a day school or a yeshiva where they're with children that, you know, um, that are like them. Um, they're learning what they need to learn to continue their life, you know, as a, you know, a Jewish soul. Um, also, you know, listen, what's out there today for children is so scary. And so even when you send children to a yeshiva or a day school, it's so scary with all the things that are out there and all the bad influences that at least, you know, they're, they're with, um, they're they're with students that are mostly like them, and they're with teachers that are helping them through it, and with um, rabbim and principals. But if you send them out to another culture, it certainly would be a lot scarier. And you know, I believe the parents would have a lot more to deal with. So it's you know certainly safer, and it's certainly where our children need to be. The insider's perspective. You're listening to the stunt show here on the Nachum Siegel Network, the all new Nachum Siegel Network. I am joined 
I am Daniel Gordon, and I am joined by uh, the the woman behind the man that is Nachum Siegel and so much more, um, Mrs. Stacy Siegel. Uh, we've been talking about education, life, uh, Manhattan, and all of those uh, great things. So we're talking about teaching in a public school. I guess public school or day school, what's the biggest challenge with teaching the age that you do? You know, kindergarten is very difficult because we expect them to make this big, big jump from babies. <laughs> you know, they they just, you know, some of them weren't even school last year um, to um, sitting at a desk all day and learning math and social studies and reading and writing and phonics and um, there's one more subject, science every single day. And these little minds are just sitting there. And they're expected to do it. And the thinking today is the younger we start with them, the, you know, the better off they'll be. And, you know, whether or not I agree with everything about that, it's certainly my job to follow what public school wants us to do. And in certain ways, you know, I believe it's helpful. Um, you know, sometimes I want to baby them and, you know, they're very little and, you know, they still hug me all day and they, you know, and, you know, they tell me their stories and you're there for them as this, you know, mommy, you know, teacher figure. But, um, they, I lost my train of thought, sorry. Um, they, um, they're very little and they're expected to do a lot nowadays. But they're still sponges. I, I remember when I was in Israel for the year, one of my rebellion, what one of my rebellion was, his, his son was there sitting behind me on Shavuos. So there I am at the end of my Shana Aleph, and I'm steiging stark. And he's reciting Masechus Brachos by heart. And he's like seven or eight years old. So in Israel, that's, he's, he's in yeshiva. And that's what they do because they know that it, it's going to be hard and it's going to be struggle, but we may as well fill as much of that. So maybe when they're 30 years old, they'll say, oh, it's a Mishnah Brachos, like off the top of their head. I'm sure the kids are saying sometimes that they don't want to have to memorize all the Mishnayos, but the bottom line is that this is a time when it's time for a long-term investment. And I would say even more so in day school when we're so financially invested that it needs to come that that we need to drill and 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 build our children up because God there's there's so much both in the Torah and outside that can affect them and that and that they need to know before they even get out there. A hundred percent. You know, and, we, and you're, when you're sitting at the Yantiv table with your children that went to day school, you know, a parent wants to hear all these wonderful things that, you know, the children have learned in school. And yeah. and speaking of the home, as a, as a teacher, I'm sure that you see the importance of the home in the educational um, in the educational team. President Joel always talks about the home, shul, school partnership in raising Jewish children, but in general, that, that the home place plays such a critical part both good for good and for bad sometimes so is that something that you work with the parents on to help them you know develop and and and, and pull the, the 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 students through or is that sometimes um we try you know i have a difficult clientele that i work with so as much as we can to bring the parents into school um and work with them and and teach the parents how to review their reading with them or just talk to them and have a conversation with them you know we try to do we really in in the school we, we try to do a lot of parent outreach as much as we can but um we work a lot you know a lot with the children and the parent impact have, did you see the movie won't back down by any chance no i haven't seen any of them so i, I it's on my list to it, do, of, so of things to do the basic premise is that these two women one who's a parent one is a teacher in the school and a parent of a child who's struggling in a different school and another one is a parent in the school basically change the whole system and they say that they, they see their kid coming home and instead of talking about whatever they learned in science, the school is failing them. There's one good teacher, there's one bad teacher. Let's call the good teacher Maura Stacy for you know the time Thank being. You. So Maura Stacy is teaching, but the other students are losing out. And and whether you pay for it or not, if our children are not educated, then then 
then then we're going to be the worst for it. And that's, you know, and, and parents play an integral role in that. And even the mother in the story says, I didn't go to college. That doesn't make me a good role model. I want my daughter to go to college. And that means that I see the value of all these things that need to be taught. Right. And also, just to go back to your, you know, your question before, you know, it has to be a very strong commitment on the teacher's part. But in addition, and, you know, I believe, you know, all parents need to hear this, you know, it's not, and especially I'm talking from, I shouldn't say only Yeshiva Day School or Yeshiva, as well as public school, unless you continue that education at home, whether it's the Jewish aspect of, you know, showing your children, yeah, you learned you had to go to shul, you know, three times a day or whatever you have to do. And unless the father shows the son that they have to do that, or, you know, um, you learn in school, you, you know, you have to read, unless the parent sits down and actually reads a book and, you know, the children see it or they read it with the, or, you know, they never see a, a parent opening up a book or, or they're never read a story to if, Anything that the children learn in school does not continue at home, whether it's the secular aspect or the um, or the Jewish education, is not going to continue. And, you know, being on both sides, and I know it's hard at home, you know, the kids come home, they're not doing that extra 20 minutes of reading, you know, you fight your battles and you do whatever you can. But, you know, the biggest thing is a parent has to be an example. And what you want your children to do, if you want to kosher home, you can't expect the kids to keep kosher if, you know, if you're not doing it, if they're learning this in school. You can't, you know, you can't say, oh, the Rebbe's are going to teach them, you know, go to school and I don't have to do it. You know, it's a very important, you know, I think lesson um, that, you know, we have to teach our children that they learn from doing and you have to continue what they're being taught in school. And it's something that you think we need improvement on? I think some. Listen, I'm I'm no judge. We try our best, um, but I believe that there are many children. And again, if you're going back to you know um, the Jewish schools, any Jewish schools, I think that many children are taught things, whether we believe that they're a hundred percent right. Whatever cho- I believe that whatever school you choose to send your children to has to has to be the hashkafa that you that you agree with. And so your everything is not perfect, but you're believing that whatever you send and the the rabbis and the moras and whoever teach them in school that that's what you want them to learn. And so it's not only sending them there; they have to see you practice it at home. You know, so. Uh, do I believe I'm lacking it? No one's perfect. I think we try our best. I, I believe that some parents don't try hard enough. And, you know, I, certainly reaching out to all the parents out there, that's, you know, the most important thing you can do is just, you know, be an example to your children because they're not going to follow only what their teachers do, it, especially if they don't see you doing it at home. That's the number one, you know, at least for me in my life, it's the number one. You, the, the smallest things, I think, as I think about being a parent, God willing, you know, I should be a parent soon, but the, it, the, 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 the scary part is that everything you do is a potential teaching tool. So sometimes you have to cover yourself when you have to say everybody's and those things like that, but you just have to realize it's not to say to stop living your life, but to say this is, I'm a teacher, I'm a parent, I'm a friend, I'm a, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm even a quote unquote, you know, closer to a sibling, but I'm, all, I'm also, I'm at, at the core, I'm a teacher. And I think that's where the, with the wisdom of the Torah, which tells us that anybody who teaches somebody something else is a kilu, you know, they're, they're, they're their parent. The, the, the reverse works, that a parent is, is, is a teacher. Um, so in terms of improving the education system uh, in the Jewish world, non-Jewish world, is there anything that you see as good opportunity, whether there's a solution or not? 
Besides, besides lowering tuition by right, the time exactly. I have to pay it. Um, you know, the truth is that my, uh, we were very lucky. You know, I have six children. They've been going to the same schools. And, you know, again, do you think every teacher is perfect? No, I'm not perfect either. You know, it's so easy to criticize every little thing. Why'd you send that homework? But in general, I feel very, very lucky with the schools we have chosen for our children where it is they, they've gotten an excellent education. I think that, you know, Thank God we were able to continue that at home. Um, you know, things that we disagreed with a little bit. I think that it was something that we always explained to our children that this is what you learn and this is why we choose not to do it or to do more or to do less. Um, so with my specific children's education, I, I, I think, you know, so far it's continuing and I think it's wonderful. Thank you to all the rabbis and Marot um, and principals who've really, you know, done some wonderful, wonderful things for our children and set, you know, great examples for them. And thank you to all my teachers, especially. Oh, of course, Stacey. of course, Samara Stacey. The, uh, <laughs> so it's very interesting because uh, Binyamin is now at, uh, at Yeshiva University. Correct. And your husband is certainly a very vocal supporter of ours, and we thank him for that. The, is, 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 was this a, I, I may get in trouble with this, you may get in trouble with this. The question is, is this a, was this a value decision um, in terms of values to continue his Jewish education into the college years because you felt that it was necessary or is it just other um honestly i'll be very honest i went to queen's college and Binyamin was registered in queen's college no i did not go to stern i wish i did but wasn't in the plans back then and you know by his second year of israel it was yu he was going there and you know it's nachem's alma mater and he loved it and if you see you know, sort of, I sometimes tell Binyamin and Nachum, my son and my husband, that I'm sort of jealous when they when Binyamin comes home and discusses, you know, his rebbeim and everything he's learning and all the, the clubs he's joined. And he just came back from um, Boston for Simchat Torah to, you know, um, bring some excitement to the neighborhood there. Why you... Torah tours. Torah tours. Um, and he got to go to Las Vegas for the last Yom Tov. So I don't remember where I know he got Las some good Vegas. places. Exactly. Um, I'm in the wrong business. You know? So the truth is that, you know, I am so excited for Binyamin that he has a, you know, a chance to to go there and, you know, be a part of it. And the love that he has for the school in the few months he started right after Pesach last year. The few months that he's there is just unbelievable. The excitement that he comes home with, and I, you know, I, I'm not just saying this. It's so funny, and the discussions between Nachum and Binyamin, like at the Shabbos table about YU, is you know, are, are so unreal. And it's certainly a challenge for me. You know, my my job is not to come on the radio for an hour a week and plug Yeshiva University, but from my perspective, at least, it, it's part of who I am, and I see the product, and I see Nachum obviously, and I see myself, and I see Binyamin now, um, and, and and it's certainly. Something that's important, I think, you know, based on the education it, and the parenting, the, the parenting, by the way, doesn't stop. I see all the time, you know, the kids oh, no. who go home and all the, I mean, I know that. My my mother is still parenting me to this moment, and my wife is definitely very Good lucky. Good luck, Mrs. Today. Gordon. Yeah, kill <laughs> Mrs. Gordon, we, we now have the actual evidence on recording that you are incredible. If you ever doubt it or for anybody else, my mother, you know, more Stacy will tell you there. My mother is, uh, she she had her hands full, That's that's for sure. But she... Listen, my, my mother was ecstatic when she found out she was having twins, and she certainly, but we were we were challenged, but if you asked her if she would have it any other way, I doubt that she would say, I hope she wouldn't say yes. 
Maybe no, she would never say. I mean, of course she would not. Well, have I mean, obviously she would have had me. The question is about Aaron, um, but you know that's all for for everybody else, uh, <laughs> you know, to choose um, and going on with that. So again, you are listening to the Stunt Show here on the Nachum Siegel Network, live from the Lower East Side, Stacy Siegel's lifetime hometown. We're joined by Stacy Siegel. Uh, we're talking about education, parenting, and Manhattan. So did you sleep very well, Mozzi Yes, that. especially knowing that I had to go back to work today. Yes, <laughs> that's how I, I always told my mom that she deserved a day off. Motse Yantif. It's one of those things where everyone thinks that you're on vacation when you're at work, but really they don't. It's exactly. Like, they don't know what's happening. Like I'm not home sitting for five minutes. Yeah. You, you mean you weren't on the beach in the Bahamas yeah. <laughs> all day more, Stacey? That would have been nice. Well, Emir Tashem, we should be in uh, in Yerushalayim for the next uh, uh, for for the next. Okay, so we we spoke about the biggest challenge. What's your favorite part about teaching? You know, I get ex- I still get excited after all these years. Um, you know, when I di- when when especially my more difficult children. I this year I'm teaching in a general ed and special education class together. So there are a lot of challenges for some of the students. And my biggest my biggest moments are still is when I've worked and worked with, you know, one-on-one or in small groups with some students that, you know, it's endless the time that I've spent with them and they're not getting those letters. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, you know, they'll be able to tell me the letters of the alphabet. And, you know, it, it still puts a smile on my face, you know, because it's a lot of hard work. And, you know, um, you know, after all these years, I, I, you know, and a lot of practice and trying different things, you know, you, you get good at it. And, you know, so when they're producing for you, it's very exciting. That's such an amazing book. My wife just started as a speech therapist. She's been working as an extern. She now works um and at SAR in Riverdale, and I, the joy, the actual, I, the struggle I see all the time. It's how do we plan? How do we get? You know, she worked this summer at a at a clinic, and she had one client that started, and she's thinking, how do I get them? Wow. How do I get them? How do I get them? How do I? And 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 then she had another one who couldn't say his name, and struggling, struggling, struggling. But then on that last day or the second to last day, when you come home, you say, this child can now say that before they could not say their own name, and now they come home and they can say their name. I say, wasn't it all worth it? And then the next time I try to remind her that what right. the end is, and it's certainly a challenge, but it, it, the, the fact that you have that so many years later, I think just shows the beauty of education and the, and the power that it has on both the teacher and the student. It's certainly, you know, inspiring to me as somebody, although I'm not in the classroom, but working in higher education, something that I hope to, you know, to maintain that excitement. And you should feel very, very, very lucky to have that um, and even, even the students like the Gordon Twins, you were excited to show up to school every day. Uh, I couldn't wait every day when you guys showed up. And then you came home and Nachum was like, why do you look so tired? And, he, she, and you're like the Gordon Twins. And then when I finally got to meet Nachum years later, he's like, you're that guy or you're one half of that guy. Yeah, it's, it, it, I, I, I still find it amazing that you were in my first class as well as Isaac Benishai, right? That, that he, is he true. Just, he yeah, he did, right. did sports for Nachum. He I did, did sports for Nachum. So that was always exciting when you know he came home and he's like, Isaac was on my show or he did sports. I was like, that was my first students so. it, it, i think i'm feeling a little old but it's it's a nice feeling but i see the nachos that teachers get and actually it's so humbling to me with my my brother and i were at a wedding and the librarian from the ramaz elementary school was there and she may have had a, mrs schmidt mrs schmidt yeah sure i so remember she, her. Was there, so may, she may have had it the worst because here we are in the library like the yeah. library is where you're supposed to have some semblance of order and everything and we of course there was no such thing as order the library was not sacred my father you know in shul it was like a we were terrorists also and she came up to her, she said, I always knew that you guys, so my brother and I always, after that happens, kind of look at each other and say, okay, like, I guess that was, you know, but, but it's, but it's nice to see, I, I, 
I say to myself that the opportunity, I know I wasn't an easy child. I know I wasn't easy for my parents, but to, to be able to give somebody nachas and, 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 and see, you know, when, when we go to shul with my niece, Sima Shoshana, who's now 14 months old, who is so cute, and people just come over and say, like, look at, at this community, because it takes a village to raise a child, and they see who this is, and our old teachers see us. It's, like, mind-boggling that, 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 that each person played a part in that. You have to you have to babysit for Sima Shoshana. She's great. Okay, much are over. I don't you know I, extra noise doesn't bother me at this point. <laughs> I will tell you one thing about my niece Sima Shoshana. I don't my she got a extra dose of my sister in law's genes because she is so well behaved okay. that there is no chance that it's my brother. Like I, sometimes I even question, although she looks like my brother, so I question that she has our gene pool because she she doesn't cry, she doesn't misbehave yet. You know, so that's that's unique. I I believe we were misbehaving out of the womb. Oh, okay. Is that so? The one thing that I think you and um, Aaron did wrong is usually the case is you know you misbehave so much at home when the when the parents come to parent teachers conference and the teacher says oh how wonderful they are the typical reaction of the parent is oh you can't be talking about my kid you know whatever but I think you really let everybody have it yeah, you know, know, we, <laughs> home as well as school my kids know you know keep it all at home we were, they go to school and they really you know know how to behave so I was always lucky in that case we, we were you honest really you know you were exactly no hiding it I couldn't say that to your parents listen. I, it, <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried I, to put it on that good they list. They try and look, and now here I am on your husband's network hosting a show. It's pretty wild. <laughs> yes, it is. It's I remember when is. I saw you at the at the release. I just said to myself, "Moris Stacy," <laughs> but you were there. I haven't changed. I look the same. Definitely sure yes, yes, the same. The yes. same as the um and 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 you know more Randy Wartelski, who was my who at the time was Randy Sorcher when I had her. She also had. She may have had my heyday. I think okay. middle school. My brother and I figured out how to really get in trouble. So that was like. We didn't know how to leave the classroom. When right, we were at three and four, you were still tame. <laughs> and then again, that was my first year, so I'm glad you were, you know. And you didn't quit. So all those no. students who had the benefit of learning from Laura Stacy, you can thank, you can say, some people say, you know, I'm sure she would have quit, but she stayed with it. No, I didn't. I, I really liked it. In fact, you know, I, I remember this because I was actually cleaning drawers, which I do very often, um, when, the, when I was hired in Ramaz for my first year. Um, it was a one-year stint, meaning they had opened up, I think, a half-day nursery, and they needed a teacher. And you know, poor young Stacy walked in and Twani didn't know what she was doing, and um, a little nervous because I'm sure none of the parents wanted the new teacher on the block. And you know, I, I taught there. And at the end of the year, when they were closing the um, the classroom and there was no position for me, all of the parents in the class and I have it. It was so nice. Got to let her, got together and wrote a letter to the head of the school at that time, which I think he's still the head of the school and wrote, you know, you really have to, you know, keep a class open. And then I was there for 10 years after that, That's which amazing. was really very special. Well, I, uh, other parents probably did it because they wanted. My mother did it because she knew that you had to be the most incredible woman in the entire world. Thank you, thank you. Tell my children that. I listen up, listen up, Siegel children. Benjamin, Chava, Yosef, Yoshua, Yonina, and, and Gabriel. Your mom is the best. Your mom is the best. May I? I'll say second to mine, but your mom okay. is the best. More, Stacy. Thank you so much. My so, pleasure. So so much for joining us. I know that you know. For me, this is it's amazing to talk to you, and it's amazing to learn and. I've banked all this and, you know, as a parent, as a hopefully a future parent, you know, just to learn from you has been amazing, amazing. Well, thank you. Well, don't they say like everything you learned in kindergarten, yeah, everything you know you learned in kindergarten. So you learned it all in nursery and you're obviously, obviously set for life. Even though I still don't know how to color in the lines. Okay.
Well, th- we don't teach that in school. <laughs> that's that's a learned skill. <laughs> exactly. You're, you know, well, thank you want to hold back your creativity. Thank you so much again for joining me. Uh, and again, you are listening to The Stunt Show here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, here on NahumSiegel.com. Uh, if you have any feedback or any questions for me, I can certainly forward them along tomorrow. Stacy, you certainly uh, can. Daniel at Um And now for uh, what I hope will be a continuing amazing segment of the show, we are going to talk about we are going to talk about country music. So uh, if you missed last time, the question is why country music? So when I was in high school, my twin brother Aaron, who you heard a lot about, he was the terror. I was the good one. He just overshadowed me double. Uh, had Rabbi Avery Joel uh, in his high school class in Ramaz, and he learned about basic Jewish philosophy. And Rabbi Joel gave the students uh, a country music CD, and I have been hooked ever since. So this month's song is "Little Moments" by Brad Paisley. If you can stop what you're doing and pause for just three minutes and thirty nine seconds, take it all in, and we'll get my thoughts afterwards. Well, I'll never forget the first time that I heard That pretty mouth say that dirty word And I can't even remember now what she backed my truck into But she covered her mouth and her face got red And she just looked so darn cute that I couldn't even act like I was mad Yeah, I live for Little moments Like that That's like just last year on my birthday She lost all track of time and burnt the cake and every smoke detector in the house was going off and She was just about to cry until I took her in my arms And I tried not to let her see me laugh Yeah, I live for little known like that I know she's not perfect but she tries so hard for me and I thank God that she isn't cause how boring would that be it's the little imperfections it's a sudden change in plans when she misreads the directions and we're lost but holding hands Yeah, I live for Little moments like that Cause it's tingling and it's numb 
She looks so much like an angel That I don't want to wake her up Yeah, I live for Little moments When she steals my heart again And doesn't even know it Yeah, I live for Little moments like that That was uh, Little Moments by Brad Paisley. So the question is, why did I choose this song for tonight's show? I think that Judaism has an amazing way of building in big moments in our lives. Weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs, brises, births, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur. The challenge for us, I think, is appreciating the little moments and soaking them all in and helping other people build their little moments. We just finished a season of all these big moments. The question is, how do we find ours? When our children come home from school after just another day without the teacher complaining, do we tell them we are proud of them? When our spouses walk in the door after a long day, do we remind them that we love them? When we speak to our parents, siblings, and friends, do we take the time to actually listen to them and give them our full attention? And when we speak to a stranger in a store or a restaurant or just on the street, do we give them the respect they deserve by not only saying please and thank you, but by asking them how they are doing and how their day is going? We never know the impact that these little moments may have on us and especially what they may have on others. So as we look back at the high, high holiday season that was filled with big moments and has just passed, and we look forward to the months before Thanksgiving and Hanukkah, let us remember the big moments. But let us also remember the little moments and focus on not letting life just pass us by. For this, at least for me, will guarantee a full and successful year. You have been listening to The Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Daniel Gordon, and thank you for making me and us part of your evening, week, and month. Coming up next, if you haven't had enough Siegel family already, it's, th- it's the Thursday night extravaganza with Stacy's husband, Nachum. Join Stacy's husband again, Nachum that is, tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 a.m. as he hosts Jam in the AM live for you on the all-new NachumSiegel.com and on 91.1 FM. Make sure to tune in as he is joined by Malcolm Holmline for his weekly update. And don't miss this Saturday night at 9 p.m. for Saturday Night Siegel, hosted by Avrami Finkelstein. Yay! live here on the stream, as well as at NachumSiegel.com. This show will also be rebroadcast Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on the all-new Nachum Siegel Network here at NachumSiegel.com. Tune in to the stunt show next week for the next edition with Gorf, Jordan B. Gorfinkel. I'm sure it will be a treat. And at the beginning of next month, when you pay your bills and check the batteries in your smoke and carbon monoxide detectors, remember to tune in to me on the stunt show four weeks from tonight at 6 p.m. Thank you, Avrami, and have a safe trip back to Baltimore. The Yankees will hopefully win. I know that you're not an Orioles fan, but the Yankees will hopefully win. And uh, by the time we meet uh, next, the, uh, the, the series will either be over. It may actually be over by now. Um, and here's to many more successful shows together. Maybe we'll even do one live from Baltimore. Thank you to Stacey Siegel, who, along with putting up with the terror that was the Gordon twins for an entire school year at the beginning of her career, agreed to be my guest here tonight. In case you forgot, tonight's country song was Little Moments by Brad Paisley. Lastly, I welcome your honest feedback and comments at Daniel at I hope you gained something from this hour, and I hope that this show will gain its inspiration and, contact from, and content from you, my listeners. Keeping with our making the most of everyday theme, in the words of the late, great Jimmy Valvano, there are three things we should all do every day. Number one is laugh, number two is think, and number three is have your emotions move to tears. Could be happiness or joy, but think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, 
you're going to have something special. That's how I try to live my life. And I hope that this hour has been as special for you as it's been for me. Coming up next is Thursday. It's the Thursday night extravaganza with Nakam Siegel. See you next month. Goodbye.